0: 7FM Arizona's Sports Station. Twenty-three years in the National Football League,
1: and I can tell you this: there is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's gonna outwork you every single play.
0: Fifteen year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh baby, what a hit by Lorenzo there. Alexander!
2: Thursday, it is the lowdown. Lorenzo Alexander is joining us. He's not in studio today, though. Zo, you're in fact on the other side of the country, aren't you? Yes, sir. And I'm actually one of the reasons why I'm not, you know, uh, as happy as about today.
3: Because I, I normally love my time with you and Wolf, just kind of hanging out in the studio talking balls, so not only am on the other side of the country, not only am I only got, uh, I'm not in studio with you guys. I only got like thirty minutes to talk to you guys today, <laughs> when normally we have an hour. So. Um, but other than that, man, life is good. I'm actually in New York working with uh, the Ledgers community. I'm going to be a coordinator working with former players as well as current players, too, because all current players become former players at some point in their life. Um, so I uh, really had, had a good week of training and, and learning about the program and so we can impact people's lives.
1: And once again, I just want to say this quickly. Thank you, Zo. Thank you and the NFLPA for not forgetting about the guys that came before you, man. Really appreciate that.
3: Yeah, always.
2: Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's look at this Cardinals week since, like you said, we, we got you for a little bit less time today, and they are going to take on Seattle on Sunday, and then the quick turnaround to face the uh, New Orleans Saints at home on Thursday. Obviously, New Orleans plays this weekend, too. They get Cincinnati, so it's not like there's any sort of advantage for them. But in your experience... The Thursday night football game, I'm assuming, is not something that the players love. I've never talked to a player that was like, yeah, Thursday night game, awesome.
3: The only only good Thursday night game is, is the first one of the year. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, uh, it's just it's really hard. And obviously, the older you are in this league, depending on how much you play and you wear and tear in your position, it just becomes gruesome. Uh, the, the later in the year, uh, that you schedule to play on Thursday night. And so I always loved it when it was early. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the best way to prepare is really as soon as the game is over, you know. Obviously, you would love to be able to just blow out a team and sit people down, kind of like what the Bills did over the weekend if you got some guys with some nicks and bruises on your team so they can start getting ready as soon as the game is, you know, pretty much in hand. But obviously, that won't be the case uh, for most games. And so, as soon as the game is over, you run into the into the, into the the training room and really jump in the ice tub. That was something that I learned, um, you know, probably midway through that was just a significant benefit to me starting the healing process of right away so I can get back. And then most coaches do a pretty good job these days of it's all walkthroughs, a lot of mental work, because you got to have your legs to be fresh. And then you just keep it simple. I think that's also the number two from a coaching perspective. Mm. Keep the game plan simple. You can't put in a whole different checks and things uh, because you don't have the time to rep them to be completely comfortable. So, you know, um, I think those are the, the three main things, you know, keep it simple as far as the physicality. Keep it simple when we talk about um, uh, the schematics uh, of the game plan. And then probably most importantly, start that uh, recovery process as soon as you walk off the field uh, after the game on Sunday.
1: So do you think Thursday night football at some point might go away? No, never. No. Uh, as long
3: as it's a, it's a monetary benefit connected to it, I don't ever see it going away unless we, for some reason, see a significant um, uh, injury uptick, you know, consistently over probably a couple of years to so where then it doesn't make sense because then you don't have the best individuals out there playing um, what people want to see, but it's just so much money attached to it, you know, it's a package that people pay into that I don't I don't think it will ever truly go away unless they can find a different way to make that up from a financial standpoint
2: so how so how much of an advantage is it you know all things considered to at least be the home team on thursday night the cardinals are not home this week but they'll come back yeah. to at least be here whereas new orleans will have to travel on the short week
3: yeah, I mean, uh, uh, again, you know, young guys, man, they 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 pop up and pop down like it's nothing. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much it's going to impact them. Um, obviously, uh, on that that Wednesday, it's a lot shorter uh, um, time frame as far as the practice. Obviously, get your stuff ready for the for the flight after, so you may not have time to go home, and so you may feel a little bit more rushed on that Wednesday because typically teams still have like a, a regular work day somewhat, kind of abbreviated, um, and then jump on a plane again. Anytime you have to get on a plane, the swelling, being tight, especially for those big old linemen, uh, you know, depending on what type of plane you have, it's just – it's just uncomfortable. I mean, just think about people—just general population. People don't like flying. Everybody's trying to get to that aisle space, right? We've all had that time. You know, I've been six four, and then get to that aisle space, and you got somebody that's five six sitting in it. Like, man, you don't need this space. <laughs> and so that's that's what it's like for those big old linemen. There's no good spot on the airplane uh, for them to sit, and so those guys normally suffer a little bit more than the, than the rest of us. Um, but again, it's, it's definitely better to be at home, be in your bed uh, again, because it's all about recovery, rest, and recovery. And- who's going to feel the best, who's going to be playing the fastest, Right, it's almost like the first couple of games of the season where you're really working on or counting on your fundamentals and just how fast you're playing to to uh, to, to gain that advantage in the game.
1: You know, one of the things I love about you is, and I've talked to you about this before, is you are the ultimate bridge player. You really are. You you are the bridge between the old and the new in the National mm-hmm. Football League. You're 15 years, um, and what's so amazing when you first came into the league, you would practice harder not smarter, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I'm saying now all of a sudden, you know, you've got Cliff Kingsbury coming out saying, we're going to practice smarter, not harder. (laughs) And when you're going to play two games in five, did you feel more prepared either way? Harder, not smarter, or smarter, not harder.
3: And well I think it's really a testament to the you know our culture overall, right? And I think the best thing is a blend of the two. You know, you always talk about the blending of the old and the new. And so I'm not a, you know, old school Joe Gibbs guy where we're gonna practice uh live drills on Friday, <laughs> uh, week seventeen. That's not that's not my thing, right? But I'm also not a hey, let's walk through everything, everybody gets the off day um right uh, in the season. Right. And so I think there's a blend of it, you know, certain guys get certain privileges based on their, their age their production and their injuries where other guys need to work and make sure that you're out there. Um, and just because you play six or seven years doesn't mean you get the benefit of like a JJ Watt, a guy that has been in the league, you know, double digit years. And so I think, uh, our team has to take a, an intentional approach about it and really see what they need because I think, you know, analytics is, is, you know, it's, it's it, It's great to be smart, but I also think you need a a measure of toughness to you that you only get when you practice uh, with the pads on, especially, you know, like inside run. And so, you know, a a great point to, you know, that blend is I've been on teams where coaches would do a a physical inside run, you know, especially as the season got later on and then take the pads off after that. And it became more of a, where's your being in the right position, making the right calls, Right. It's not as physical in the body as far as shoulders and having to use your hands and jack guys up. but there's nothing like sitting up inside run um, at almost full goal um, because you can't duplicate that you know if you're just walking through it. Um, and so I think you need a blend to your point of, of both in order to be the most successful. And that thing and it's always shifting. You know I don't think you need to be one or the other, but you have to figure out you know, where your team is based on how the season's going, how guys are playing. How healthy we are, you know. Where do we right. see ourselves? And so, you always have to be intentional. You just can't say this is who I am and then just roll out there, where things could shift very quickly. You know, in a season as you're familiar with, Wolf. All
2: right, we're gonna hit the break here because I know when we come back, this is a topic I want to get Lorenzo. I've wanted Lorenzo's <laughs> thoughts on this for a while. The roughing the passer call in the NFL. Zoe will give you the uh, the perspective of a defensive player, and hopefully, he can answer the question that we all have: of what is a defensive player supposed to even do. At this point, that's next. The Lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. It's
3: crazy. I've never seen nothing like this.
0: Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran. And he is going to get sacked. Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal. The Lowdown with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup.
2: We got Zoe with us here for the lowdown, and we're going to get into this whole roughing the passer dilemma that the league is facing. I want to play this clip, though, from Buda Baker yesterday to get us started off. There's,
3: there's a lot of uh, discussion, but at the end of the day, you know, we kind of try to talk, uh, you know, get that elbow. Um, because as you guys can see, you know, there's a lot of uh, different calls that could have gone either way. So for us, we're, we're talking, kind of tapping that elbow, and uh, a strip, uh, strip sack is still Sack. You know, as long as you get the ball out, it's still sack. So um, you know, definitely that situation
0: with uh um, those guys in the past, where that guy got a, a, a stripped and you know he had the ball, and yeah, he fell on top of QB, but he still had the ball. So it was definitely
3: uh, questionable. But you know, at the end of the day, we got to we got to play the game, and we just got to you know
0: let, let the rest handle everything else. We just got to play the game.
2: And he also added this. Yeah, yeah. hey If you sneeze, you might get a penalty as well. So you never know. <laughs> So don't sneeze. So uh, look, I, I obviously never played uh, linebacker, defensive lineman, anything in the NFL, but it, this is <laughs> point, watching this. It's ridiculous. I don't understand what you guys are supposed to do. Yeah,
3: I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, adapt, and I don't know what adapting means in this in this in this situation. I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Push him over, but I saw Matt Milano get called for that. Uh, I, I I really don't know, and guys don't know either, and so. What you really have to do as a player is control what you can control. And so you, both those hits were clean. Both those tackles were clean. And so you just have to continue to play football and allow – and the refs are going to make the calls. But there's nothing that you can do. And I remember I actually had something very similar that happened to me playing Atlanta back in the day. And I actually had a coach try to coach me on a way I should do it. I was like, what? You know, I'm not sitting there, man, it wasn't no – it shouldn't have been a penalty. And the NFL later came back and said it shouldn't have been a penalty. And the coach was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, but I was just trying to help you out, though. Some things – the game is a physical game. And so um, I know we're trying to protect our quarterbacks. Um, I, I get it. And so it almost makes me feel like they went all the way to the left because of what happened to Tua um, in some ways. And like, well, we show you how soft this game really can be, right? And people are like, no, 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 no. Now we don't want that. And that, they don't kind of come back. To what it of how the game has been being called over the last you know month or so, but um, I know they they're taught to err on the side of caution, but nothing in those hits—at least when I saw it from my perspective—I know the rest are seeing it a lot faster warranted any any type of flag on you know the hit against Brady or Deere Carr.
1: Yeah, you know, Tony Dungy, of course, is not prone to hyperbole in any way, shape, or form, and he tweeted out, this is not football anymore, based on these personal foul, these roughing the passer penalties that are happening right now. Does the league need to address this? So, at some point in time, do they need to talk about this and fix it now? Well, they need to address it with the
3: officials and uh, and and remind them of of what of what a you know roughing the passer looks like um and so again sometimes you know unbeknownst to us that the the league will say hey we need to we need to emphasize roughing the passer this week and so things that they typically wouldn't call you know, they have a directive and say, and so they throw a couple. And so obviously moving forward, I think the league is going to say, well, well, we don't want this type of, of, of PR as far as our game or what people are expecting. This is a little too far or too conservative. And so they'll, you know, let their officials know that, um, you know, uh, these two calls aren't roughing the passers. And so on. you have to see something a little bit more egregious or aggressive than, you know, rolling a guy, um, when when you're tackling, so they'll figure it out. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I, did, I just think it was in response to some of the other health and safety things we've been talking to over the last uh, couple of weeks, especially when you think about what happened to Tua.
2: Yeah, so so you do think? I mean, obviously they've heard the, the the you know the response from everybody, especially with the Monday night hit. Because honestly, with with the the Brady call on Sunday, when I saw it, I just assumed they were making that call because it's Brady. But then to see it again a little over 24 hours later in a, on a call that almost changed the Chiefs game. I mean. I would assume the league is like, hold on, we do have to kinda even this out or we're gonna start to lose fans.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't think you're gonna lose fans, but you obviously gonna have a huge uproar about what's going on and they don't want all the the negative attention, even though you know they'll say oh, all media is good media. But they just have to go back, like I said before, go back to the officials, um, reemphasize of what we actually want right how we're we trying to protect these guys um and then move forward from there because you to your point you don't want to have a call that is going to significantly impact the outcome of the game especially when it's it shouldn't be called in the first place
1: yeah, so i gotta tell you though um the flag aside that was one of the greatest plays i think i've ever seen a guy make chris jones and what he did i you gotta be kidding me the sack the strip, and the fumble recovery, all as he was yeah. going to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, tell you, the yeah, yeah I did something like that in high
3: school, not in the league. But, yeah, it's all <laughs> right. I mean, Chris Jones is a, is a baller. You know, he's one of the best guys in the league. And I think, you know, you kind of forget about him with, you know, the Aaron Donalds of the world that are playing. But he's been, a, a, a you know, a steady force in his league for a long time now and is one of the top, you know probably three or four D tackles in his league that we have. And so it didn't surprise me. It's a big man doing, you know, athletic moves and, 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 just typically just, just dominating the game the way he does.
2: So while we have you and they're showing this, so they keep showing the clip of uh Devontae Adams pushing the, the, I guess the camera guy when he's walking off the field, what, yeah. what did you make of that one?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, well, I've seen it from a couple of different angles. Um, I, you know, obviously Devontae was upset. I, I don't, from from the one I saw, I don't think he saw the guy. It kind of surprised him, and he pushed him in the, in reaction mode. I don't think that guy was walking straight on him, and he and he saw him coming and, like, intentionally said, ooh, I'm going to push this dude over. I think it was more of a reaction, and the guy coming from the side, running in front of him, and being upset, eyes kind of down, and just kind of pushing the dude real quick. Um, but they said, you know, obviously he came back out and apologized immediately after it happened. Um, and then, obviously, made the statement. So, uh, I think it's just a you know, uh, an issue or a situation of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, running into a, a guy that's much bigger than
1: you are. Have You ever lost it on the football field? Have you ever?
3: <laughs> um, not not to that degree where I was either fighting somebody or hitting somebody that had nothing to do with the game. You know, I've lost it as far as my verbal trash talking and how far I would right. go to a specific guy. Right. But that's, that's that's about as far as I would cross the line as far as um, you know hitting somebody later doing something dirty. I think just losing losing my mind as far as what I was willing to say to somebody.
2: Uh, Zoe the other thing since we have you Chiefs Bills this weekend I mean you talk can't about
3: wait can't wait <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean Buffalo
2: Buffalo yep. being favored going into Kansas City that is they should be that's the sign they of respect be. <laughs> have,
3: you see, have you seen them play this year I don't know. why are people surprised have you seen them play
2: I just, look I think they're the best team in the did league you just see what they did to, to the Pittsburgh Steelers the Pittsburgh
3: Steelers I no, don't it's... care they had a rookie quarterback start they have a good defense a, a, tr- uh, a great tradition up there as far as being ready, prepared to play, and being a team 38-3, to um, you know, obviously they have Pat Mahomes and they have a great team as well. But the way Josh Allen is playing offensively right now and then this defense that can rush four, right, without having to blitz like we saw the Arizona Cardinals do earlier this season. Yeah. I think, um, you know, again, seeing Chandler Jones, what he was able to do last week and wreck the game a little bit in the first half, Buffalo Bills have, you know, at least two to three other guys that, that can be just as productive and have been this season. And uh, I expect them to be able to do the same thing and not have to to blitz them, but be able to play some coverage and make him hold the ball.
2: So, great stuff as always, man. Thanks. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. So, all right, guys. Appreciate you, yeah, bro. That's Lorenzo Alexander joining us there for the lowdown as he does every Thursday. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. We come back. The Suns' preseason finale. Give us hope for the bench. We're going to ask Suns analyst Eddie Johnson. He will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke show on 98.7 FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
2: Okay, the preseason is over, following last night's game against the Sacramento Kings. I'm not even going to tell you the result, Wolf, because the result doesn't matter. We got to see some of the bench guys play, and Dwayne Washington Jr. looked pretty good. But uh, Eddie Johnson is joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, Of course, Phoenix Suns analysts as we get ready for the start of the NBA season next week. Eddie, thanks for the time, man. I'm sure you're busy as we get uh, ready for everything. How you doing?
4: I'm doing well, guys. How you doing?
2: Uh, doing really good. Doing good, best, Eddie, man. Best time of the year for sports. Um, all right, take, <laughs> t- take us back to when you were a player. How happy were you when the preseason was over every year?
4: Well, I mean, look, I'd be ecstatic if I was playing today uh, because, you know, these guys only go about a week for training camp. <laughs> I used to have to go about 28 days. Oh. You know, our training, our training camp would start uh, early October, And it would not end to almost the end of October. And we would go two-a-days for basically three and a half weeks. Uh, These guys, they're limited on two-a-days. They don't practice long before they start playing preseason games. And we would play eight preseason games. So uh, it was laborious, but we didn't know any better. We still enjoyed it and got through it, but...
1: You know, I don't call this a training camp, with these guys are. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, it's incredible. Uh, in the game of football, as you know, Eddie, the biggest change is how you prepare a human being to play in an NFL game, and it pretty much sounds the same way what is going on in the NBA right now. Talk to me a little bit about your wow. expectations overall, since we <clears throat> really haven't talked to you. Talk to me about your expectations for this team overall.
4: Well, look. This team had the best record over the last two years. Uh, that's not going to go away. I, I know sometimes people that don't have control of the situation and they're observing it, they take so they take everything for the worse. And what the Suns have had to go through uh, over the last uh, number of months, they they actually look at that and they think, oh, oh, they're not going to be able to function. It's, to me, and you know this, Wolf. It's a robotic approach. All due respect to the robots out there. Be you, uh, but that's not how humans work. Uh, matter of fact, I had an ant problem outside. Man, I've been killed them, them suckers like crazy, and they still come. I mean, they still getting in the house. I mean, like you know, I mean, I've killed hundreds of them, thousands of them. They still find a way. They're not giving up. They keep coming because they know that's how they survive. <laughs> and, and that's the analogy I'll use on the Suns. It's like they're not upset about all those things, and it's going to carry over to the court. They're going to keep playing because that's what they love to do. And and so for me, they have the talent to do it. They have the same team to do it. I will be highly disappointed if they don't win no more. If they if they don't win more than fifty three, fifty five games, I think that's just, that's going to be their their number and they'll put themselves right there in position again uh to win a championship and that's what it's about
2: talking to Eddie Johnson uh, Eddie some of the new guys that got brought in do you have have any of them stood out to you where you're like okay this guy this guy could maybe step right in and help on this team
4: uh Washington Jr looked really good yeah uh you know and last night obviously he was tremendous uh, i I think he looks good uh Really, I mean, I, I got impressed with a bunch of them last night. Uh, I think, for the most part, I think James Jones and and Monty have done a great job at bringing guys in, uh, and but he has stood out more than anybody. Uh, and what's the big kid's name again? I got brain lock on him. The center, the Jock Landale, Landale, Landale. He he has played tremendously well. So those two right there, Kogi has been injured. So he came by. He showed his athleticism last night. Uh, so you know, I think Money has a tough he has a tough decision to make in regards to who he's going to have. You know, after that eighth player in the rotation.
1: So did you always get a did you always personally get along with your head coach Eddie? No, no, yeah, no. I've no, been there as well. No, yeah.
4: Well, by the fact, Wolf, I take it a step further. There were some players on my team I couldn't stand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and, and they couldn't stand me. You know what? It, and, I've been there as well. Right. I didn't go out to dinner with them. Didn't want to. And they didn't want to with me. Fine. <laughs> but when we got between the lines, you would have never known it. You would have never known it. Yeah. Like... Mike Woodson and I are the best friends ever. That's like my brother from another mother, okay? Head coach of the Uni- uh, University of Indiana right now. Played in the league a long time. If you were just on the periphery and you were hanging about around Woody and I, you think we hated each other. Yeah, <laughs> Because we nonstop getting on each other's case. But he's, I'm the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can do it. No one else can infiltrate our, our space of how we are. And so right. people see that and say, oh man, they can't stand each other. Yeah. No, people have to understand, man, sports brings on competition. It brings on hurt feelings. We have been conditioned our entire life to accept criticism, to take criticism, to have combustible moments. And when you put the ball in our hands and we step on the floor, or if you put the football in your hands and you step on the field,
1: you do your job. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Yeah. Let me ask you, though. Do you think the dynamic between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, I mean, what's wrong? So what? Even if they don't get along, even if it, they don't, even though I'm listening to D.A. tell me that everything's great and everything's fine and Monty's going to say the same thing, I'm not talking about it. I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if there's a little friction there. What do you think?
4: Uh, friction is good. Uh, I didn't. I didn't play well unless I was mad. <laughs> yeah. Like Cotton Fitzsimmons figured that out too early in my career, and he literally went out of his way to to pick me off all the time. <laughs> and he knew that I would play better because now I'm focused and I want to show him up. Yep. And and that's just the mentality, and that's getting to know your players. Uh, and so. You know, with this situation with Monty and DeAndre, see, for me, DeAndre said, "Well, we haven't spoken. Well, go speak to him then. <laughs> go, go speak to him then. Mm-hmm. Go, you be the man. Like it, it comes a point in time where you have to be the man. No more coddling. You're twenty. You're, now you you, you you got your money. I think what he's twenty four right now. Mm-hmm. You are a grown man." Yep. Like, it's not going to be changing. You're a grown-ass man. So now you become the man, and don't expect him to, to be the one that goes forward with it. You do it. Because maybe that's the message Monty was sending him. It's time for you to mature. It's time for you to take a hold on, on, on how you feel and what you think is wrong or right, and you go forward and handle it. Yep. And I think every young player has to go through that. So is no different than anybody else. Devin Booker had to go through that. And I think Monty did the right thing in sending a message early on to him that I'm not cobbling you. You know, you, you, you got paid, you oh, have really? expectations, we need you to win. And I think DeAndre will be a better player for it. And, and what I've seen so far, DeAndre, he, he's been tremendous. Don't so it. it's, not negative, it's not a negative situation at all.
2: Uh, Eddie, I want to make sure before we hit the break, you get to tell us about some of these celebrity events because I know you got a poker tournament tonight, you got got golf tomorrow, you got a dinner coming up on Saturday. Can you, can you get the word out here on what's going on there?
4: Well, it's a helping hand for single moms. It's the events that I give every year, uh, and it's to make the mom the hero in her home. We send moms to college, help them get their degree. Uh, so give them that opportunity that they wouldn't have if they're at home trying to raise a family without the other half. And so that's what we've done over the last number of years. Uh, since I've been involved with the program, raised over a million dollars, all the money goes to Helping Hands for Single Moms. And my event has grown every year. initially started out as just a dinner event. Now the dinner event is sold out on the 15th. So you can't get there. But tonight is our poker tournament. You'll get a chance to play poker against all the celebrities in town uh, be able to knock them out and get a bounty on it. It's $200 entry fee. Uh, if you're lucky enough to place in the tournament, you can win, a, you can win inside of a pot of $25,000. Uh, so the tournament at Talking Stick is tremendous. It starts at seven fifteen, And then tomorrow is my golf tournament. We still have some foursomes open if people want to get in. Uh, it's at Talking Stick Resort, uh, golf course as well. Uh, and it's a celebrity event, so you can be matched up with a celebrity if you get your foursome in today. Uh, I'm challenging everybody out there that's listening. Get a foursome in, get there. I got a nice celebrity to throw on with you, and you can have a nice time.
1: Whether awesome. it's for the dinner or the poker tournament or the golf tournament, whatever it is, what's the best way for people to get involved, Eddie?
4: Okay, they can go to org. Uh, and if they found out that the portal was closed because the stuff is starting today, uh, they can get a hold of me uh, through Twitter, obviously, at jump at shot 8 and uh, shoot me a message. If they really want to get into the golf tournament, uh, we'll make a way for them because it's all about raising enough money to help these moms get them cars, uh, help pay their bills. Get babysitting services, all those things that
2: make it convenient for them to go get that education. Awesome, great, cause. Right the poker tournament idea that's great as well, Eddie. Thank you so much for the time, as always, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All
4: right,
2: guys, take care. Okay, ma'am. That's Eddie Johnson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, we'll flip back over to football. What would again a win against the Seahawks do for the Cardinals? It is a rivalry, after all. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety-eight seven FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
2: Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks to Eddie Johnson for joining us there as we shift gears back to football. Wolf, I don't know about you, and maybe it'll feel differently when Sunday hits. But this hasn't felt like a Cardinals versus Seattle rivalry week like it normally is, right? It just right now kind of feels like a game the Cardinals have to have against yeah. the Seattle team. That right. I, I mean, it'll be irritating, I'm sure, when you start to watch and the 12s are up there making all that noise. But it's not. They don't have Russell Wilson. They don't have Bobby Wagner. They don't have Richard Sherman. They don't have the the villains, for lack of a better term, that that the Cardinals rivalry with the Seahawks have had for the last ten years
1: yeah it's just so weird because I think you know everyone looks at the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll, and you think, Man, this is you know defense. that's what you're going to think about when you think of the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, so let Ross Cook, and all those years up there, we all understand they had a very good offense as well, but man, it was defense, defense, defense for the longest time, and to see the Seattle Seahawks playing defense at the worst clip there is in the National Football League. That's weird. It just makes you feel like it's not Seattle. Yeah. It's just a weird feeling. And I would say, to a large extent, you look at the Arizona Cardinals and the fact that they've started so poorly in games. Not only defensively, but offensively. Offensively. The weakness of this team is their offense right now. Not not their defense, their offense. And coming into this season, man, I don't know anybody who thought the defense was going to be the strength and the offense was going to be the weakness. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe you know when you when you look at the
2: schedule when the Cardinal schedule comes out, and the NFL schedule comes out in the offseason, and you look. And for me, I always look. I know you look for the bye, first of all to see where it is, and that's, yes. I typically do that actually too, just to, to see you know how the season's going to be cut up. I always look for the Rams games. And then usually Seattle is the next games I look for. Okay, Cardinals, Seahawks, they hate each other. The fan bases get irritated by each other very easily, but... I think maybe you just hit it right there, Wolf. It's it's so different right now because when you looked at the schedule and you were going into the season, you're like, okay, Cardinals get the Seahawks. Seattle's a mess. They're not going to be able to move the ball on offense. Maybe they'll still be decent defensively. And then you're like, the Cardinals, though, it's going to be the Cardinals offense against the Seahawks defense. And maybe in some ways it's still that, but not for the reasons you would have thought a month and a half ago. Now it's like... Who's going to wake up first? The Cardinals offense or the Seahawks defense? I know. And I would say this, Wolf, and maybe I'm just clinging to some sort of hope here. On paper, the Cardinals' offense, it does seem like a matter of when are they going to wake up or when are they going to get out of their own ways or when are they going to start to put together plays together that make
1: sense. But they have the talent. I'm not sure Seattle's defense has the talent to wake up. No, no, you're right about that. I don't think they do either or either if you're on the East Coast. I I watch them on tape and it just blows you away. The missed tackles. And I'm talking about every level there is, my brothers. I'm talking about on the the front line, the line of scrimmage. The second level, the third level, oh my goodness. The missed tackles are just abysmal, and again, you can tell there's assignments being blown all over the field, and that's something that I think the Seahawks are probably going to get better in the second half of the season. They've done this the last two years, but I will tell you that Hurt now, they've brought in the defensive coordinator, this new defensive coordinator, and he's trying to instill the 3-4 as opposed to the 4-3 that's been up there for the most part, for a long, long time. Now, again, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is some paradigm shift within the organization and at all. Oh, this is a huge distraction because there's a lot of times in the National Football League where a 4-3 is a 3-4, and a 3-4 is a 4-3. It's a hybrid, and there's just a bunch of junk. It's not played the way that it once was. But still, having said that, you... <laughs> There's a lot of mental errors, I think, that are being committed. It's one of the reasons why the Seattle Seahawks are number 32 in yards per game allowed and number 32 in yards per play allowed because of the mental errors. It's not just the missed tackles, it's also the mental errors. And that's, that's again why it seems so weird to see this. Receivers wide open running in the secondary and, and guys not being where they should be because it's coached by a Pete Carroll team this yeah. is Pete Carroll you would you would hope that um
2: that feeling that the Cardinals had after that loss to Philadelphia, and it, it sure looked like that one hit them differently. You would hope that would carry over. Now, by the time they kick off, it's going to have been seven days, so it's only going to carry over so much. It's hard to hold on to that emotion for seven days if they played Seattle the next day, uh, aside from all, everybody being broken down uh, physically. They maybe carried over, but for a full week, we'll see. This is Jalen Thompson, though, yesterday on just how upset they were after that loss to Philadelphia. Oh,
0: extreme Angry, uh, just to be able to, you know, go out all week and work hard and you know
2: do the right stuff and then come up short during the game. It was real tough on. Us. And then the follow up was, can you keep that sort of feeling for a week heading into Seattle? Uh,
3: yeah, we, we're definitely keeping that chip on our shoulder and know how last week felt. So we gonna come out this week and, and, and handle business and do what we
1: have to do. You know, it's, it's a great it, opportunity. Yeah, it is, right? It's a great opportunity right now. It's it's not just about you know the chip on your shoulder. And by the way, Jalen, just hide it in your heart because. I know you already have because that's the player that you are but you know it's also the opportunity that is in front of them right now Um, (laughs) I know this is not going to please a lot of people that are going to hear this but Uh I said it before and I'll say it again if you would have told me they would have been 3-3 and Um, going into the DeAndre Ayton suspension and then coming out of it, I would have taken that and been a happy man doing that. Three and three. Now, you loser. Yeah, right. Forget about it, tough guy. (laughs) Talk to me about it. Um, I knew it was going to happen. Yes, I knew it was going to happen. Yes, they do. You ought to hear it from the sideline from Mm -hmm. time to time. You okay stop it you just censored yourself uh, I was right no I was literally <laughs> thinking I could see the guy's face oh well, there's a specific guy um, okay. I can still see his face yes but hey, listen, three and three, um, not having DeAndre Hopkins and the impact that DeAndre Hopkins has on this offense and Kyler Murray in particular in terms of reading a defense because DeAndre Hopkins clears up a lot of stuff well, for
2: Kyler. That's why this is such a swing game. And I get it. There's going to be a lot of swing games if you're only winning on the road and never winning at home and your schedule goes home road, home road all season. There's going to be a lot of swing games. but. But it's what you just said, Wolf. They're 2-3 and right now. Realistically, they have not looked good. But their losses are to the Rams, Chiefs, and Eagles. Yeah, The the Eagles and Chiefs might meet in the Super Bowl. Now, I mean, I think we, you know, you and I both think Buffalo's probably going to win the Super Bowl. And I know what Zoe thinks, even though he's not still here right now. But either way, you're talking about two of the best teams in the NFL. And the Rams did just win the Super Bowl. When you look at those games... I don't know that most teams go into games against the Eagles, Chiefs, and the Rams are a little bit different now, but go into those games thinking, oh yeah, we should have won that. But last week was a missed opportunity. You
0: could have beaten Philadelphia. You could have beaten the Rams. Yeah,
1: And it's it's really not to me, Luke. It's not the fact they're two and three.
0: It's how they've looked. It's how they've looked. But if you win this Thank week, you. you
2: are three and three and DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> exactly. is coming back.
1: Think about that. Somehow, some way, what really concerns me about the Cardinals, it's how they've looked offensively the strength of this team it's not the strength of this team and that's what's blowing my mind not the fact they're two and three
2: we're gonna get real answers on this season in the next what seven and a half days when you have two games in five days your whole season's gonna swing you could come out of this come out of this two and five and then you're really in trouble you come out as four and three and the offense looks better with deandre hopkins and you've won a home game Oh, boy. I mean, the, the swing. Getting, now you're getting crazy. <laughs> the swing that could happen in the next week and, and a few just extra hours. Is I can't. We're just going to break. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It is the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.